Under the Tree, a seminar on freedom with Bill Ayers. Welcome back to Under the Tree, a seminar on freedom. I'm Bill Ayers, and I'm here with my friend and comrade Malik Alim. That was Tom Morello getting us started, singing a song of freedom. Tom's a freedom-fighting troubadour who stands in solidarity whenever people are rising up and cries of freedom fill the air. We're gathered here for our seminar on freedom. We breathe deeply and imagine ourselves to be a small but energetic insurgent community, a fugitive space. We ask the fundamental questions again and again. Where in the world are we? How shall we name this moment? What is to be done? We're bound together, looking uneasily at the world we've inherited and busy in projects of revolution and repair. We open each episode with a poem, our common practice and our ritual announcement that seminar is underway. It's a time of reflection, a moment of Zen. Today we visit once more with the revolutionary artist Bertolt Brecht and this piece from A German War Primer, read by Malik Alim. When the leaders speak of peace, the common folk know that war is coming. When the leaders curse war, the mobilization order is already written out. Those at the top say, peace and war are of different substance, but their peace and their war are like wind and storm. War grows from their peace like sun from his mother. He bears her frightful features. Their war kills whatever their peace has left over. On the wall was chalked, they want war. The man who wrote it has already fallen. Those at the top say, this way to glory. Those down below say, this way to the grave. The war which is coming is not the first one. There were other wars before it. When the last one came to an end, there were conquerors and conquered. Among the conquered, the common people starved. Among the conquerors, the common people starved too. That was Bertolt Brecht from a German war primer. Our second regular feature is a stream of consciousness free write, a moment to put words on the page as fast as your hand will move, an exercise in disconnecting from the second guessers, the editors, or style police lodged deep in our brains. This exercise invites new awarenesses to pop into our heads, unexpected, unannounced. Here's today's prompt. If I were asked to describe slavery in a single word, and I said murder, you might agree. If I were asked to describe wage slavery in a word, and I responded, manslaughter, would you hesitate? Why? And what if I were asked to describe property in one word, and my answer was theft? What would you say to that? Start writing, and we'll be right here, under the tree, whenever you're ready to head back over. Email us at underthetreepod at gmail.com to share your response to the writing prompt. Or if you just want to introduce yourself and build community. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Under the Tree Podcast, for clips and interviews. And follow us on Instagram at Under the Tree Podcast. Alright, so I know I've been telling y'all for 17 episodes to send us your responses to the writing prompts. 
I finally had time to compile some of those, and I'll play them in a minute. But I also know I've been telling you for 17 episodes to follow an Instagram and a YouTube account that don't have any content on them. And I promise you that's about to change. In January, we got some new people coming onto the team that are going to be dedicated to chopping up our content and putting it out onto the YouTube channel and on Instagram. So please be on the lookout for that. Continue to follow us on Instagram and continue to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you will be rewarded soon, I promise. All right, this is Joy's response to the writing prompt from episode one. Write about yourself as fated or free. Free to blessing, doom. I'm free because my body looks to stars unnumbered. I'm unencumbered by worldly matters when looking in this way of looking. But blessed turns to bedless in a twinkling, and I cannot move my doom. Undue privilege leaks from my skin because of the molecules within. I'm numbed and unburdened because I'm where I belong, on my mom, attached, and may I remain always uncured from the incongruity of humanity. This is Janine in response to the prompt from episode 17. Every human being deserves everything they need to live a decent and dignified life. Yes or no? Explain. Yes, but it's required that I explain why. And suddenly, I've gone from a lightness in my being, that rare feeling I get from writing, to a clenched fist in my heart place. Why does having to explain hurt me so bad? Because in this place, even that truth is stolen. The truth that we deserve everything to be happy humans. The truth that we deserve everything to be happy. The truth that we deserve everything. The truth that we deserve. Hi, this is Laura Cheatham with a response to Imagine the Angels of Bread, written in the same style. This is the year that public schools receive more resources than private ones. Students stretching like cats in the spaciousness of their small class sizes, or squinting their eyes to dim the sun like the glare of a shiny new iPad screen. This is the year that the American people guard our country from politicians defending the end zone like linemen in a goal yard stance. This is the year that politicians receive thoughts and prayers instead of the votes they see reaping like farmers the fields they have sown. This is the year that love diminishes hate, burning like a flame that illuminates the darkness. This is the year that children are more than just a test score. Instead, we count their kindness, creativity, and experiences as measures of success. This is the year that sexual assault victims are believed and not blamed, hanging on every word offering justice instead of accusation. This is the year that transgender and non-binary folk take bathrooms from bullies, creating safe spaces in a previous war zone. This is the year that the NRA drops its guns at the feet of children, sacrificing cherished weapons of domination and fear as they beg for forgiveness, valuing at last the right to live more than the right to bear arms. If the elimination of racism, sexism, xenophobia, and homophobia began as a vision of freedom and justice, then this is the year. If women's rights, civil rights, LGBTQIA plus rights, and dreamers began with the belief of inalienable rights, 
for all people, then this is the year. This is the year. I want to take a minute here to meditate on something, a question, a concept, a word that's been on my mind for a long, long time and more intensely, perhaps, for these past few months. The word is violence, or more precisely, the insincerity, posturing, deception, and naked hypocrisy on display whenever that word lands in the mouths of the powerful, any member of the ruling class, the 1%, or the political class. There's a bright line between violence and nonviolence, they tell us, and the good people are all on the nonviolent side. Violence is ineffective, the overlords continue, without a hint of irony, and it's always unacceptable. Violence is immoral, and I so want to shout amen. I really do. I want that clarity. I want that sense of being cozily tucked in with the righteous. But then I look a little closer at the people noisily trumpeting those echoing slogans, the prosperous and the powerful, and I recoil. They're oozing false virtue, throwing sand in everyone's eyes. They're dripping with blood and hiding the evidence, all of them. If they believe so strongly that violence is ineffective, unacceptable, and immoral, then why are they armed to the teeth, unleashing their violent legions everywhere in the world, creating a militarized carceral state at home, and nourishing a hyper-aggressive war culture? Congress just authorized... $740 billion in its war budget, more than the defense budgets of the next 10 countries combined. The war culture accepts that as a desire for peace. The U.S. maintains a menacing octopus of military bases stretching across the globe, including an air base in the Italian Alps, for example, and yet there are no Italian air bases in the Catskills. The war culture sees that as sensible and necessary, and any other arrangement would be ludicrous. More than 50 years ago, Martin Luther King Jr., refusing to condemn participants in the Watts Rebellion, called the United States the greatest purveyor of violence on earth. He was right, of course, and it's even more true today. The U.S. not only ranks number one in military spending worldwide, it is also the number one global arms dealer, a super spreader of high-tech killing machines, as well as handguns and low-end murderous weapons. King's making an important distinction here. To see a slave master and a slave and not to notice the crushing violence inherent to and congealed in that relationship is myopic at best. To see the slave rise up and to call that with righteous indignation violence is willful blindness, pure and simple. I remember the trailer for a film I saw several years ago in which the repeating trope was an alien confronting a group of startled earthlings, saying in an eerily robotic voice, we come in peace, just before blasting them into small pieces. It takes a minute for reality to catch up to these hapless earthlings, but eventually they get it. And this is precisely the situation the U.S. finds itself in all over the world. We come in peace. We always come in peace. But ask the youth in the streets of Cairo or Tunis, facing U.S. arms in the hands of American finance dictators, or the women servicing the U.S. military bases stretching across the landscape, or the farmers and workers all over Latin America, Africa, and Asia, whose repressive police forces and militias are trained and supplied by U.S. aid, or any people anywhere 
who find themselves in the sights of an American-made rocket or a U.S. drone. Our country's legacy includes a hyper-violent history of generational slavery based on African ancestry, a tradition of genocide, ethnic cleansing, and land theft, the enduring and deeply entrenched system of white supremacy, a massive military machine regularly asserting its exceptional power, in effect a rogue state, against peoples in every corner of the globe, militarized police forces as the front line of a massive punishment bureaucracy, a carceral state, and a tangled prison industrial complex, managing a gulag, incorporating, or maybe more appropriately, entombing more than two million souls. Violence is baked deeply into our DNA. Swept up in the mass incarceration epidemic is a street-level drug dealer from Chicago who got in a beef with a rival, pulled a gun, and stole some money. A violent criminal, no doubt, now doing 10 years. At the same time, the Sackler family, billionaire owners of Purdue Pharma, created the opioid crisis by knowingly unleashing and promoting the drugs OxyContin, killing close to half a million people and destroying thousands of communities. Purdue Pharma pled guilty recently and forfeited $225 million, chump change for them. And there were no criminal charges brought against the Sacklers. Why? Because they're all nonviolent lawbreakers. See the difference? It's a vicious reminder that bullets and bombs aren't the only ways to kill people. Bad hospitals and a predatory health system also kills people. Government-sponsored enclosures, ghettos, also kill people. Forgotten communities and collapsing buildings kill people. Decomposing schools and brainwashing curriculums kill people. Look around. The unhoused have a life expectancy 30 years less than the general population. 30 years. That's violence. Or look at that child in Guatemala or in south-central L.A. who died yesterday of pneumonia. That was a violent death, quietly executed. As James Baldwin continually reminds us, first there's the crime itself, and then there's the feigned innocence, the hypocrisy, which is in some ways the greater crime because it compounds and intensifies the original sin. I'll end with two epigraphs. First, Martin Luther King Jr. Violence as a way of achieving racial justice is both impractical and immoral. It's impractical because it's a descending spiral ending in destruction for all. The old law of an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. It's immoral because it seeks to humiliate the opponent rather than win understanding. It seeks to annihilate rather than to convert. Violence is immoral because it thrives on hatred rather than love. It destroys community and makes brotherhood impossible. It leaves society in monologue rather than dialogue. Violence ends by destroying itself. It creates bitterness in the survivors and brutality in the destroyers. The second epigraph is from Malcolm X. I think there are plenty of good people in America, but there are also plenty of bad people in America, and the bad ones are the ones who seem to have all the power and be in these positions to block the things that you and I need. Because this is the situation, you and I have to preserve the right to do whatever is necessary to bring an end to that situation. And it doesn't mean that I advocate violence, but at the same time, I'm not against using violence in self-defense. 
I don't even call it violence when it's self-defense. I call it intelligence. I'll leave it there. Before we leave today, I have a homework assignment based on what we've been talking about. Look around at your block, your neighborhood, your town or city, your country. All's well, says the town crier, making his rounds and lighting the lamps for the night. But is it? Is everything well? It seems normal, all the taken for granted's firmly in place, but your homework is to lift the heavy canvas cover and to peek beneath. Is peace and harmony all that you see? Make a list of at least five acts of violence that are concealed beneath the reassuring surface. Five at a minimum, but keep counting. Thanks to our friends from the podcast Ergo, and that's spelled A-I-R-G-O, Damon and Daniel, and to Malik Aleem, esteemed producer and engineer. Under the Tree is written and hosted by Bill Ayers, produced and edited by me, Malik Aleem. Our music is by Tom the Night Watchman Morello. Artwork is designed by Ryan Alexander Tanner. Check out his website, ohyesverynice.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Under the Tree wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for being here with joy in my heart and freedom on my mind. Until next time. <laughs>